I just want to tell you a story to get started here. Uh, if you need a Bible, go ahead and, and just flip your hand up real quick. We've got some guys up top or around the side. They'll, they'll give you a Bible. Uh, we want that to be your Bible. We want you to take it home. We want you to write in it, read it, uh, highlight it, whatever you got to do to grow closer to God. And that's really going to lead us into uh, this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, when I left for college, I was 17, uh, 17 years old. You're hardly out of diapers. And, um, but I was in this mode of, I want to be an adult. I'm going to make big adult decisions. Uh, like, I'm going to decide where we go to eat, you know. I'm going to decide when we turn this car around and when we don't. And so I'm like in this mode of, of uh, trying to be an adult, and, except when you, like, I'm going to be an adult, I'm going to go to college, and now you got a roommate, you know, so you're not really that much of an adult when you're 17. Uh, here's the thing about our room at college, it didn't have a lot of lights. Um, a lot like this place. Didn't have a lot of lights, and so I thought, big boy decision, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go buy a light. I'm going to light this place. I'm going to be a Christian and light up this room. You can't hide this little light of mine, you know. So I go to Target, uh, buy this light. I assemble it. It's exactly this light right here. Not this exact one, but, you know, it's, it's these kind of lights. They come in a little box. I pull it out. I assemble it. I'm adulting now. I'm putting it together, although adulting wasn't a word then. Uh, but anyway, I was, it was just called responsible, <laughs> whatever. Um, so I was putting this thing together, and then uh, I got pulled out a brand new light bulb because that's what adults do. They buy new light bulbs, and so I put it in, and I clicked, and um, the light didn't come on. Yeah, I'm really blown at this thing, right? So I try again. Because you know, uh, maybe it just needs to click 100 times before it starts. You guys ever do that? Like whatever it is doesn't work. You just keep going. Maybe it's just going to turn on. I don't know. So here I am flip, flipping it. I take the light bulb out because it comes in pack of 47. So I grab another light bulb and put it in the light, and it won't come on. And I'm so frustrated, so I resort to the last resort, and that is to look at the instructions. And so I look at the instructions. It tells me how to set it up. I did it. I put the light bulb in. It's tight. It still won't come on. What in the world is going on? And as I'm so just, uh, just like frustrated, ready to give up, I look down at the ground. You know, for a light to work, <clears throat> it's got to be plugged in uh, to the power Look, I think if we're in a mode of trying to refresh, we've got to get back to the basics. Like, like I, I think for us in here, some of us here, like we're in this series about refresh, like trying to come out of this desert of life, trying to start over. Some of us, like we were here last week, we we're going to give Easter a shot, and then we're like, you know what, maybe I do need to be refreshed. Some of us have been Christians for a real long time, and we've just grown callous. To what, it is, to, to what it is to be in love with God. Or some of us are just on this beginning journey and we just don't know what it is to have a relationship. Not a set of rules, but a relationship with God. And so this morning, man, we're going to spend just a few times talking, uh, a, few min- a few minutes just talking about the basics of what it is um, to be in a relationship with God. Last week, Jesus rose from the grave. Well, last week, 2,000-something years ago, Jesus rose from the grave. Um, Here's how Acts begins. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus, mainly the birth, death, the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what gives us our hope. 
Well, Jesus ascends into heaven. He tells his disciples, you guys go be my witnesses. Tell people about Jesus. And then I can't, I can't give you everything. Read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But Peter stands up in front of all these people. He delivers the very first gospel message. He tells them about Jesus. And it says 3,000 people responded. It's, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter, Peter, what should we do next? Man, Peter didn't say you need to go through this 10-week course and learn about the nature of God, the deity of Jesus, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you need to learn everything there is to know about the Bible. G Peter's um, explanation for what you need to do after hearing the gospel is simple. He said, repent of your sins and be baptized, every one of you. 3,000 people that day were baptized. And then we get this verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's one of my favorite verses about the Bible or about the church, and it says this. If you want to follow along with me, not in your Bible, you can follow along on the screens. Uh, we're going to do like a lot of flipping, so if you have your Bible, you're going to do a lot of flipping. But uh, if you have the Restore Church app, you can follow with me there. Uh, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, you can search under um, events, and you'll see Restore Church uh, and you can follow, you'll see the same thing I'm looking at right here. This is what Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says. 3,000 people, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Guys, if we as a church are going to get to the basics, if we as people are going to get to the basics, it does us a really good. It does us really good if we look back to see what the first church did, and this, these are the things they devoted themselves to. We're going to talk about these over the next few weeks. They they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which is the Bible, to the fellowship, which is what we're seeing right now. Kind of, we're going to talk about that part next week. The breaking of bread, which is communion, we do that every week and to prayer. Um, so we, we exist to be a church for the rest of us. Uh, I'm about to tie my shoe because I'm going to fall. And y'all are going to put it on YouTube. Yeah, see, I know y'all. I know what kind of people y'all are. All right, there we go. Now I'm not going to fall. If I do, it's just because I fall. Um, so I went to Bible college. They teach you how to do marriage counseling, premarital counseling kind of deal. And one of the things that they say that if you want to experience intimacy in your marriage, guys, if you want to experience more intimacy in your marriage, ladies, if you want to experience more intimacy in your marriage, you know what the number one thing that they say to do is to focus on? It's not to look nicer or spend more time touching or necking or whatever they say in physical ed. Now, this is what they say. You know what the number one thing is? Communication. To achieve more intimacy in your relationship is communication. And this is the key for this morning. It's a slide on the screen. This is what it says. Connecting with God. Uh, guys, just cringe with me for a minute. Intimacy with God is what gives you fuel for your life. If you're running low or running empty or in this dry spell, it's connecting with God. Just uh, follow along with these few verses with me for a second. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Um, can, you guys, can you read this with me? I, we, we don't do this very often either, but um, I, just, I just want you to get these few verses with me. I want you to read them with me. Um, Ready? You will seek me, 
and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, read this one with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I wanted to skip that last part, but I couldn't. It's, it's in the verse. You can't just, just pass it. But verse 8 says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Or maybe your translation says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's intimacy with God is what we're after this morning. Let's pray. God, we're going to ask you to bless us in these next few moments. God, let your Holy Spirit guide us. Um, Lord, we want to draw closer to you. Let us learn how. Um, Give us the courage to do so. Um, and the tools. Lord, I, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now that you've done this reading with me and stuff, now you're going to sing with me. Okay? Yeah. Karaoke, restore church style. Some of y'all just need to, to sing out with me. So I'm going to sing, and I know it's going to sound just so good that you're not going to want to like com- like follow me, but I want you to finish the line. Okay. <clears throat> so I put my hands up to play in my song. <laughs> I'm not in my head like yeah. Moving my no no I'm not moving my hips. I got my hands up to play in my song. No I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. It's a party in the USA. Y'all have got to get with it, man. We had coffee when you came in. Okay, here we go. This will include everyone. I'm just a small town girl. Man, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I love deep. Oh, yes, Lord. And I... mm. Oh, that's good. Come on. Goodness, I've been denying. Thank you, Tim McGraw, for that one. Whew. You guys just touched my soul. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Almost heaven. Thank you. All right, that's good. Thanks. That one's for my family. All right, finish this one. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding his heart according to your word, O oh God. You know, I, I spent a lot of time learning silly songs like, well, those aren't silly. Those are classics, you know, especially that West Virginia song. But, man, I, I let a lot of things in to my life that sticks. But one thing that I struggle with to really let just soak into my life is the only thing that can guard my life, and that's God's word. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today that's going to lead you to intimacy, to a connection, that's going to lead you into this refreshing of your soul is going to be 
the Bible. Remember, we're getting back to the basics. You know, they're probably learning the same thing in the village. But um, listen, the Bible is where God speaks and we listen. How much listening have you been doing lately? Have you even opened up to allow God to speak? And if you have, how long is your conversation? This is probably one of my favorite quotes about the Bible. It's, uh, it's by N.T. Wright. If, you've, if you're... Uh, in this book, Simply Christian, has been called Our Generation, well, it's probably a generation before, uh, our version of C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. It's a systematic approach to, to, to Christianity, and it's called Simply Christian, and he's talking about the Bible, and uh, he says this. I have it written on the inside cover of one of my Bibles. It says, picking the Bible up, you need to remind yourself that you hold in your hands not only the most famous book in the world, but one that has, which has extraordinary power to change lives, to change communities, to change the world. This is the best part. It has done it before, and it can do it again. Except mine sits in a book bag or sits in, on a table until I've got to study for a sermon. So I was uh, texting with a, one of my, I guess you call him a mentor this week, about uh, just life and about church. And he said, man, how much time are you spending in God's word? And I told him, and he's like, okay, now how much of that time is spent not writing a sermon? And I was like, you're not my mentor anymore, man. I'm kicking you out. <laughs> you're supposed to make this easy. But, man, it's, it's challenging for me. Like if, if the book that you hold in your hand or the app that you have open. Like if we believe that God created the heavens and the earth just by speaking it into existence. Like we believe that it's God who breathed life back into Jesus after he died and rose from the grave. And the Romans tells us that it's the same, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives inside of you. Like, that's just straight up power. That is incredible. That is amazing. And then take this a step further. He wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us through his word. And we're giving him the cold shoulder. Have you ever been given the cold shoulder before? Me either. Me either, but I heard that it sucks. Like, like you want to, like, you just want to speak to someone so bad, and they, they won't listen. You're blowing up their phone. Like, you're, you're trying to text them left and right, but they just, they won't listen. Man, I wonder what God's trying to say to you through his word. I wonder what God's trying to speak to me through his word, but I'm just... I don't know, too busy, or too, too busy liking and sharing to open up the Bible app, or I, I, my schedule's so packed. I, I'm going to tell you guys, my biggest, uh, my biggest obstacle when reading God's Word is this, I'm just too busy, but it's cool because I'm busy for God, right? Like, I, I'm doing God things, so it's cool, and God's like, dude, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something. Like, I, I'm trying, I want you to read uh, I want you to read my Bible. Um, 
So let's get a little nerdy, okay? Can we do that? Thanks for your permission. Um, there was a time where the only church in existence was the Catholic Church. There was a group of people that were just like, now listen, you got to hear this part. I love Catholics, Catholic people, people who go to the Catholic Church. They will be in heaven, I promise. It might be a few rows behind us, but they'll be in heaven. It's not a funny joke. I mean, it is funny, but it's not right. Anyway, um, so, so don't, don't hear anything wrong about this, but there was a group of people that were just so like frustrated that the only way that they could hear from God was that they had to go listen to the priest or, or, the, or the, the bishop or the, the pope. One of their names was Martin Luther. And so he decides, man, I'm tired of this. Like, I feel like God wants to speak to me. I feel like we're all ambassadors for Christ. And I feel like that if this is really God's word, that, that I should be able to open it up and hear what God has to say. And so he starts what's called the Reformation. And a part of the Re- Reformation was this freedom to open up the Bible and hear from God himself instead of only going to church on Sunday and hear one, God, one guy tell you about the Bible. Oh, wait. That looks a lot like us, doesn't it? I'm not trying to step on your toes because I know those seats are comfortable, but how often do you read your Bible outside of Sunday morning or Wednesday at small group? Man, we are wasting God's word when we're not in it every day all the time. And if we're just coming to hear one guy tell us about the Bible, we're, we're not much different than what, uh, than what Martin Luther was fed up with. There was this uh, grandfather and grandson. They're sitting in the living room. And um, the, the grandfather's reading his Bible, as grandfathers do. And the, the grandson decides he's going to pick up his Bible and read it. What a great example, right? And so the, the grandson picks it up, and after a few minutes, he gets so frustrated, he just closes it and slams it down. You guys might experience the same thing. And he says to his grandfather, um, granddad or papaw, we'll say papaw because that's the best one. He says, papaw, uh, man, I'm so frustrated with reading the Bible because here's what happens is I read it and then I set it down and I, I just can't remember what I read. Anybody else? Like, you read it, and then, and then you put it down, and 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't really remember. And so the grandfather, he said, so how do you remember all this stuff? Why do you keep reading the Bible if you can't remember everything that, that you've read? And so he tells his grandson, let's go out back. And so grandson and grandfather go out back, and he says, see this basket right here? I want you to pick up that basket, and I want you to go down to the river, and I want you to fill it up with water, and I want you to bring it back to me. And so the grandson, he says, okay, whatever you say, Papa. So he grabs the basket, he runs down to the river, he fills it up with water, and then he runs back to the porch, only to realize that a basket doesn't really hold water all that well. And his grandfather said, man, I asked you to bring me some water in this basket. There's no water in it. So the grandson, he's determined. So he goes down to the river, he fills it up with water again, he runs back to his grandfather, and he says, Papa, here it is, I got it for you. And he says, and the grandfather says, there's no water in the basket. I need water in the basket. 
So the grandson, man, he's just determined. So he runs down to the river and he, and he sets it all the way. Like he submerges the basket all the way in. And he says, man, if I can just take off running while it's still under underwater, maybe I'll have a little bit of water when I get back to my grandfather. And so, so he, he sticks all the way down and then he sprints. And you know what it's like when you're trying to please your grandparents, right? And he sprints as fast as he can all the way back. But he gets there and there's still no water in the basket. And he's just so frustrated, and he says, Papa, there's no water in the basket. There's nothing I can do to keep water in this basket. And, and his papa said, yeah, there's no water in the basket. But look at the basket. After dipping it in the water and pulling it out and dipping it in the water and pulling it out and dipping it in the water and pulling it out, he might not have been bringing all the water back, but in the meantime, he was cleaning his basket. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this about the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good like work. Like you should open up the Bible and it's God-breathed. Like it's living and it's active and it's right here. And if we're going to be refreshed, man, we have got to be spending. The very first thing is we've got to spend time in God's word. Um, Paul, t- Paul tells Timothy that the Bible is where we, we use it to learn about God in order to teach, to discern, to act, and to be equipped for good works. Remember, the Bible is where God speaks. And if we're going to be in a relationship with someone, we've got to listen. Hey, I want to give you just real quick three things to help you in your Bible reading. If you're stuck, I'm going to give you just a few things that will help you. By, by all means, this is not like exhaustive thing, but here's, uh, here's how to read the Bible. Um, journal. You know, this, this seems so simple, but uh, read some of the Bible, whatever it is, a story, a chapter, a book, the entire thing, <laughs> and then just start writing. Whatever comes to your mind, just whatever, you'll be surprised. The second thing that you can do is the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if you just go to your Google Play Store or your um, iTunes Store or Apple Store, whatever it's called, and uh, just search Bible, it's a brown Bible, YouVersion app. It's got plans, um, and, and you can search plans. It will read the Bible to you, so while you're working out, I don't know what that's like, but while you're working out or running, again, that's foreign, if you're uh, driving, um, Max McLean, he'll read the Bible to you. And here's the last thing. This is my favorite. This is what our small group does. We do this every week. We read the Bible out loud. Same thing, all the way through. It's a little redundant, but that's all right. That's what we do. We'll read the, the verses, and someone else will read the verses. And then we'll spend a few minutes just being quiet. Everybody reads it on their own, and you pray through it. And when you're reading, you ask these four questions. These, these are great, great four questions. You might even journal them. But in this passage, what do I learn about God? Dude, you don't have to be a scholar to do these four things. Like, you don't have to have gone to Bible college. You can just, uh, this, this, these are for anybody. What do I learn about the nature of God? What do I learn about Jesus? What do I learn about the characters in the story? And what does this mean for me? And if you just, if you open up, any book, Ephesians, and just start reading, you can answer these questions every time you read the Bible. Sometimes uh, when you're like, sometimes what I learned about Jesus, the answer can be nothing. But at the end of every time you read, you got to be able to answer number four. Right. Um, the second thing to achieve intimacy with God is now you got to speak, is now you got to speak. Um, we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is where 
we speak and God listens. Remember the communication part to achieve intimacy. Let's talk about what prayer is not first. Prayer is not a script to be memorized, okay? Uh, you know, I, I know some, some of you might be saying, man, I can't pray because I don't know the words. There are no words. It's just your words. Like, we don't have a magic book that we use. It's just whatever is on your heart and you want to talk to God. Prayer is not an ATM, meaning you walk up to prayer, push in your numbers, and get what you want. Prayer is not a genie where you just make some special request and it's there. It's, it can be, but it's not just a hotline for when you're in trouble. It can be, and you should use prayer when you're in trouble, but that's not exclusively what it is. Prayer is not bookends, like I wake up, good morning, God, bless my day, and then before you go to bed, oh, shoot, I forgot to pray. Let me pray real quick. Um, prayer is not an appetizer, <laughs> meaning it's something you do before you eat. I don't know. I just need to come up with something for that, so it's not an appetizer. But um, prayer is a conversation, and it's the part of prayer where we speak and God listens. You're familiar with this part, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. The disciples come to Jesus, and it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say this. Now, I've got it memorized from my elementary football team, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, uh, maybe I don't have it memorized. Here, we'll just read it. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. Luke stops right there. You're familiar with that. Um, you've heard it. Maybe you've got it tattooed. Maybe you've got it hanging in your house. Man, that's awesome. What Jesus is saying is, hey, God is holy and you need to recognize that. Ask him for what you need. Give us our daily bread. Um, ask him to lead you away from Satan. Lead us away from temptation. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, right? Um, and, then, and then it just kind of, Luke just stops. Verse 5 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend. Maybe you're not so familiar with this teaching of Jesus. Suppose you, have a, uh, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't give, get up and give you anything. I, I don't know. I might do that. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up. You see that? Shameless audacity. Um. He, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he seeks an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But are you asking? Later in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story about this widow who goes to this, this king and is asking for justice. And the king's like, no. And she keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And, and the Bible says that the king 
who has no regard for God says, I do not care about justice, but I'm going to give this woman what she asks because she is persistent. She's a persistent widow. Y'all, prayer, check this out. Prayer is the pursuit of the will of God. Not just the pursuit, it's a relentless pursuit of the will of God. We like that word around here, relentless. And God is like waiting for you to ask him so that he can give to you. But are you asking? I was watching my kids uh, ride bikes yesterday and, and it hit me as far as this prayer goes. It's like, I think with prayer, God wants us to get on our motorcycle I don't own one, but in theory, he wants us to get on our motorcycle, make as much noise as possible, right? So you got everyone's attention, and then he wants you to just fly in pursuit of him in your prayer life. Like, I think that's the image that God wants for us, is that we would just fly a thousand miles an hour toward him with our prayers. But I think in our prayer life, we look more like my three-year-old daughter on her training wheel bike. And then when we can't move, we just, we're just like, ah. Yes, she does that. Ah. It's cute. It's annoying, but it's cute. My, my prayer life at times looks a lot like Sadie riding a, a bike with training wheels. But God's like, man, I wish you would just ask me. God says, dude, I wish you would talk to me about your problems as much as you do everybody else. I wish you would ask me to solve the issues in your life instead of as, as much as you ask your wife to or your coworkers to. I, I wish you would just come and ask me because I'm trying to listen. But oftentimes in my life, God is the last person to hear. And then he figures it out, and then I'm like, oh, man, I should have just went there the first time. Um, you have, have you ever heard of the Silver Bridge Silver Bridge. It was the very first ever aluminum, or the very first ever suspension bridge built, and it bridged a thing, uh, it bridged West Virginia and Ohio together. It was built in the 1920s, but it was in the early 1960s that uh, on December 15th, 10 days before Christmas, um, People are going shopping. People are coming home from work. It was about 5 o'clock, and so there was static, uh, there was static um, traffic on the bridge, and the bridge collapsed. There was a lot of, like, man, there was a lot of uh, fanfare about it. I mean, there was a lot of trying to figure out. It's the very first suspension bridge. There have been suspension bridges built all over the United States since then, and so they're trying to figure out what went wrong, how can we prevent this from happening all over the United States. And so when they pulled up the wreckage from the, from the river, they found that um, at the top of the suspension bridge, there was a simple pin missing, which caused all of the suspension to be offset. And so eventually, with all that weight on it, the bridge collapsed. And that, that bridge describes my life. And maybe it describes yours too. You got a lot of weight on your life. Like you got a lot of stuff going on, or just me? Cool. Like, do you have baggage you're carrying around, or is that just me also? Like, do you have worry that's with you, or or 
or the next step in your career, you don't know where it's going. You don't know what's going to happen to your family when you're gone or you when you're gone. Like all of that weight is on the bridge and yet we're taking the most important pin out of it by not seeking God through all of it. And y'all, we're just asking for that bridge to collapse. Um, so it's, it's pretty obvious that prayer is essential in our relationship with God. And so, again, we're going back to the basics. Connecting with God is the fuel for our life. I want to give you just a few ways, again, of, of how to pray. These aren't in the Bible, just kind of came up with them. Some people smarter than me came up with them. Uh, journaling. Just buy a journal from the dollar store and make it your prayer journal. Put your prayer requests in it. What's going to be amazing is in a year from now, you're going to look back and say, wow, God really did some awesome things. A prayer journal is a great way to strengthen your faith in what God's doing. Promise. Just start today. Use, use your notes app or, or Evernote or whatever it is you've got and just um, acts. <clears throat> this is awesome. We've done this in our youth group. We've done this out loud, and it's really cool. Um, we've done, this, this is a great way for you to pray. Adoration, God, this is what I adore you for. Confession, God, this is, here are my sins. Thanksgiving, God, here's what I'm thankful for. Supplication, God, here's what I need. And then salt is just an easier way to, to remember that. God, I'm sorry. God, here's what I need. Here's what I'm asking you for. God, I love you. God, thank you. And you can, uh, the salt is, is uh, so, if you're, if you're new to being a Christian, do the, do the salt one. If you've been a Christian for a long time, try this adoration one, the uh, Acts one. And maybe you, like, well, all across the board, you can try the journaling, man. It's, it's helpful. Um, so uh, let's, let's wrap all this up. Um, <clears throat> so back to college. Um, I, I've always had this need in my life to be liked and to need attention, um, to be accepted. And I was just thinking about it when I was writing this sermon, and that has, like, been my entire life. And in high school, it always meant, like, having a girlfriend all the time. Even if, like, you know, I had this high school mentality that you just, just had to have a girlfriend. That was, that was what's accepted. I know it seems silly, but it's true. And, and then at 17, like, there's not this life shift that you just wake up and it's like, oh, now I got to think like an adult because I've gone to college. No, I went to high school. I went to college with the same mentality. God lined it up perfect that the first day of college, I saw what would become my wife. And, uh, but in my head was like, man, she's smoking. Um, I want, I think I want her to be my girlfriend. And this is how stupid I am, y'all. It's like, we, so we go on this uh, it's not really a date, but a group of us went to Target, and I bought Fruity Pebbles. Not that that man matters, but I remember. And, um, and Pop-Tarts. Put Pop-Tarts in your freezer. You're welcome. Um, so anyway, uh, y'all, I think between then and the end of September, when we, like, actually became boyfriend and girlfriend, I, like, asked her, will you be my girlfriend, like, probably 30 times. You're talking about a persistent widow. <laughs> like, I was just like, hey, so uh, be my girlfriend or what? And she's like, no. I mean, it was like, because here's why, here's why, here, here's why. I had, I wasn't exaggerating that, it's that one. Um, 
I had this just mentality, this child mentality of what it meant to have a boyfriend and girlfriend. She had this really mature, like, I want to make sure I like you first. Um, I, I want to make sure that you're the kind of guy that I, I should I should date. We're gonna if we're gonna date, we're gonna do this for real. And um, and and I'm gonna make sure that that we're gonna do the you know like you date to get married. I'm like I'm just dating so everyone you know because I need to be accepted. Accept me, please. On September the second, two thousand six, she said yes. Boom, I win. And but here's what you don't know. Here's what you don't know about this story. Every day in between, Aaron and I went to this, like, it was this park bench that overlooked all of Cincinnati. And I came up with this game. I'm sure I didn't come up with it, but it worked. And it was, I'm going to ask you a question, and you answer it. And then I'm going to, and then you ask me a question, or I'll answer that. You Hold on, let's start this over. I'm going to ask you a question, and you answer it, and then I'll answer that same question. And then you ask me a question, and I'll answer it, and then you have to answer the same question you just asked. No questions off limits. But you know what happened is it started off with silly questions. So what's, you know, what's your favorite color? Um, you know, what's your favorite restaurant? Where do you like to eat? What's your favorite movie? We, we went to this bench every single night, and, and then the questions started to develop. So if you were to ever get married, how many, how many kids would you like to have? For a long time, our answer was 32. Um, until I had kids. Um, it, it, would, it would be, if, if, you, if you could pick your dream wedding, what would it be? Um, t- tell me about your family. And then it, it got to a point where we didn't have to play the game. Like, after we started dating for a while in February and Cincinnati is the worst place ever, but we would be under coats and six blankets sitting outside asking, so, so, so if you could live anywhere, where, where, where would you want to live? Here's, here's the thing, and I still think the foundation of our relationship was built on that bench in Cincinnati because it, it developed this I want to know you, and, and you want to know me. Do you have that with God? Does God know you? Do you know God? You cannot love someone if you don't know them. And you cannot love someone if you don't know about them. And, and someone cannot love you if you don't let them. So let me ask you, are you ready to be intimate with God? Like have this connection with the designer of the universe. How's your relationship with him going? You could use these two things right now, Bible reading and prayer, to make your relationship better tomorrow. And it might just be baby steps right now. What's, the, what's your favorite color? And it might turn into the deepest passions of your heart Man, I, I pray that for your life. I, I hope, I pray it for mine, and that we might know God on the deepest, deepest level. You will seek me, and you will find me when? When you seek me with all of your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness.
that's when you'll be filled. Draw near to me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Amen.